happy in the Lord's house. Good to see each and every one of you here this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Revelation, the 16th chapter. I want to get right into the Word this morning. I'm going to be concluding the series that I've been preaching on end-time events. Last week we talked about the seven years of tribulation that will come after the rapture of the church. Today we're going to talk about the battle of Armageddon. The good news is that uh, we do not have to be here during the tribulation period. We can make the conscious decision to be right with the Lord and escape that by going in the rapture. So the good news is we can escape the tribulation. And the even better news is, is we're going to be a part of the battle of Armageddon. But it's a fixed fight, and I already know how it ends. The good news is that uh, we're going to be victorious. Amen? Revelation chapter 16. Let's begin reading in verse number 16. They gathered them together to the place which in Hebrew is called Armageddon. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl upon the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne, saying, It is is done. And there were flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. There was a great earthquake such as there had not been since man came upon the earth. So great an earthquake was it and so mighty. The great city was split into three parts and the cities of the nations fell. Babylon the great was remembered before God to give her the cup of wine of his fierce wrath. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the opportunity, God, that you've given me to stand and deliver the word today. But God, I stand in this pulpit, God, unable to do the task before me without your help. And Father, I ask you today, God, to anoint these lips of clay to minister your word to your people. God, I pray that you'd anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive from your word today. And God, I pray that by the time we leave this place, God, we'll be challenged. God, we'll be changed. Father, we'll be drawn closer to you because of the word that's going forth today. Anoint the hearer to hear. God, anoint the heart to receive your word today. And Father, we'll give you the praise and the glory for everything that's done. In Jesus' name we pray and the church said, Amen. You may be seated this morning. I was thinking uh, that 18th verse, I just want to point this out before I get into the message today, that it says, there was a great earthquake. Then it goes into describing this earthquake even more, where it says, such as there had not been since man came upon the earth. So great an earthquake was it, and so mighty. What does all of that mean? That just simply means since man has walked upon this earth, there has never been an earthquake to the strength and magnitude of the earthquake that is described in this 18th verse. Now, I don't know about you, but there have been some great earthquakes in the land. I remember not long after we moved here, in the wee hours of the morning, there was a small earthquake up to the north. Uh, west of Oklahoma City and and one of the tremors reached far enough down here that it was felt and 
I just remember reading yesterday of a 6.8 magnitude earthquake that hit Morocco where over a thousand people are believed to be dead and that number is believed to climb even more. So when we talk about this earthquake, Scripture describes it as an earthquake greater than anything that's ever been in the earth since man's been in the land. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a powerful earthquake to me. I want to talk to you this morning about the battle of Armageddon. The word Armageddon has been used frequently in recent years, but not many people are aware of its true meaning. They are aware that it represents some terrible event, but they don't truly understand exactly what's going to happen with it. Satan's long course of rebellion and working against God will climax in the battle of Armageddon. The latter part of the tribulation period, which is known as the Great Tribulation, will be filled with war and unbelievable judgments upon the earth. The Battle of Armageddon will conclude the seven years, which we know the last three and a half year period, to be called the Great Tribulation period. This battle will be Satan's last attempt to conquer and destroy the Jews. It must be remembered that at that time the Jews will be at peace in their own land because of a covenant with the Antichrist who is an enemy of God. The the Antichrist, having broken his covenant with the Jews and having received the approval of the world, marshals all military forces and combines the armies of the world to move against Jerusalem. Never has such an army been seen in all of the world. Never has there been such a magnificent display of power controlled by one man. But while the nations of the world are being gathered in the Middle East for the final battle called Armageddon, the Lord Jesus Christ with His armies in glory, the angels of heaven stand poised for the great revelation known as the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now remember, we've talked about this over recent weeks, that there are two events that describe the coming of Jesus Christ. The first event, and we'll talk more about this in a few moments, is the rapture of the church or the translation of the saints. After that coming will be the seven years of tribulation. The second coming, which is what we're talking about today, is when Jesus comes back with the saints for the battle of Armageddon. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. But I want you to remember that there are two events, the rapture and the second coming. They are not the same. The Antichrist who receives his power from Satan and who takes the place of God will set himself up as God and prepares to fight against Almighty God. Now, to me, that's just dumb. But I don't know that the that Satan's ever been accused of being the smartest person. Hello. I mean, he's pretty shrewd and he's pretty, he's pretty uh, manipulative, if you will, but I don't know that he's very smart. But let's talk about the revelation. The revelation must be distinguished from the translation of the rapture of the church. At the rapture of the church, the saints of God will be called away to meet the Lord in the air before the tribulation period begins. 
But the second coming of Christ or the revelation of Jesus Christ will take place at the end of the tribulation period when Christ comes back to the earth. Zechariah describes this event in chapter 14, verses 3 and 4, when he says, Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a great valley. Uh, and half of the mountain shall be removed to the north and half toward the south. The second coming is also described by John the Revelator in Revelation chapter 19 verses 11 through 15 when he's penned these words. And I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and his name was called the word of God and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen white and clean and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of almighty God John the revelator is describing when Jesus comes back to the earth to defeat Satan once and for all. When Jesus comes again for the saints, at the time of the rapture, he will appear in the heavens, and the saints will be called up to meet the Lord in the air. But when he comes at the revelation, he will return to the earth with his saints, you and I, those who are gone to heaven to be with him. At his first appearing, which is for the church, not everyone will hear the call, but only the believers will see him. But when he comes back with his saints, the word of God tells us that everyone shall behold him. Revelation 1-7, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall well because of him. Even so, amen. That's why it's important to be ready today so you hear the first call. Those that pierced him shall look upon him. They shall ask, What are these wounds in thy hands? Then he shall answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Zechariah 13.6 Understand this, that the revelation will not be a coming of humiliation and grace. It will be a coming of glory. He will not come as a lamb, but he will be coming as a lion. He will not come for the salvation of humanity, but he will be coming as the judge of the world. You see, once he came and he was led like a lamb led to the slaughter. But this time that I'm talking about, he's not coming as a meek, lowly, humble lamb that will be led to the slaughter for the sins of humanity. But this time he is coming as a lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is coming to make war. He is coming to rule and to reign and to once and for all defeat the enemy of our soul I don't know about you but I'll be glad when that day comes the good news is 
that this is not some event that you and I are going to sit back and watch on television. This is not some event that you and I are going to sit back and read about on the internet. You're not going to be advised of this event by some Facebook or social media post. But if you are the blood bought, twice born, redeemed of the Lord, then you shall be coming back with Him when He comes back for the battle of Armageddon. We make up the saints. He is not coming back. As a lamb, he is coming back as a conqueror. The conquering powers of the Antichrist are reveling in their victory. They're gloating over their strength. While the whole world in awe wonders about the beast and bows prostrate at his feet. All of a sudden, something is going to happen. What's going to happen? The sun will suddenly be darkened. The moon will fail to give light. Stars begin to fall from heaven. And all the powers of heaven will tremble. The Bible says in Matthew 24, 29 and 30, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun shall be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Let me just tell you something, church. When the sun is darkened and the moon fails to shine and stars begin to fall out of heaven, you better understand and know that something is about to happen. It's not just that somebody has lost control of everything, but in fact, God is is still in control. Jesus is coming back and he's coming back to do battle. He is coming back to defeat the enemy of this world once and for all. He is coming back to set up his kingdom to rule and to reign throughout all of eternity. Say, preacher, it scares me. It makes me nervous. There's nothing to be scared of. If you're right with the Lord, then you'll be coming back and you'll be part of the victorious battle. telling you it's a fixed fight when Jesus comes back he's not going to lose the battle of Armageddon it tells you what's going to happen out of his mouth shall go a sword and it shall smite the nations he is going to rule with a rod of iron what does that tell me that tells me that the general of this army already has the battle plan he already has everything detailed out and I just want you to understand that when the smoke settles and the dust clears the antichrist shall be defeated Satan shall be defeated and Jesus Christ will be victorious and you and I will be a part of that great army I remember when I was a lot younger and I was growing up and Desert Storm was a real thing and perhaps some of you served in Desert Storm and I, I was just a young boy and hearing the reports on the news and seeing the news reports and I often wondered how we would handle it in America if a war like that ever ensued on our turf. And it made me a somewhat nervous because reality is that even in this life, our greatest faith 
as far as a war is concerned, is in the United States military. And not trying to discount that at all, but I'm just trying to tell you today that is as far as this world is concerned and as far as the spiritual world is concerned, our faith is not in the United States military. Our faith is not in the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, or the Marines, or the Commander-in-Chief, or some general. But our faith is in God Almighty. Our faith is in the Word of the living God, which explicitly details the coming events of this life. Our faith is in a God who shall not lie, but in a God that shall stand victorious forevermore. Oh, Lord God. That's why you can take comfort today in spite of how bad it may sound. You can take comfort because in the day in which we live, we are victorious. You may look around yourself today and you may say, I don't feel victorious, preacher. We don't live by feeling. That's the problem with a lot of people. They live by how they feel. Well, I don't feel like I'm winning. Listen, you've got to understand that you're just going through a battle. I told you a few weeks ago that wars are made, the Civil War was made up of many battles. You're just in a battle. You're just in a battle today. But... It, as far as the war is concerned, you're going to win. You may, you may just feel like you're not winning this battle, but the reality of it is, if you understand the back of the book, what you're truly living for, you're a winner. No army that's ever won a battle did so without even the loss of life. There was still loss of life. There were still some scrapes and some bruises. What are you saying that for? Because the reality of it is the enemy wants us to view each battle that we walk through in this life as if he is whipping us and he is winning this thing. Because if he can get us to believe that he is winning and he is defeating us, then he can discourage us to the point that we'll quit on God. But the truth of the matter is, while he's still swinging, I've read the back of the book. There's going to come a day where he can't swing anymore. There's going to come a day where he can't hit you anymore. There's coming a day when Jesus comes back to do battle in the battle of Armageddon that he'll no longer have that power. So the next time he comes in and reminds you, hey, I'm whipping you right now. You're down. Nobody cares. Nobody loves you. You're discouraged. Next time he does that, just say, hey, you may think you're winning this thing, but let me remind you of how it's going to end. Hello, somebody. Perhaps you've heard it said like this before. The next time the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Hey, there's a rider on a white horse. He's coming back. And out of his mouth's going to draw a sword. It's going to smite the nations. He's going to bind you and put you in a bottomless pit. I'm just simply telling you today that we're going to win this thing. We're going to win this thing. You need to stand up and brush yourself off, put a smile on your face, and act like you're a winner because you are a winner today. We get back to the battle of Armageddon. The light of the Antichrist is eclipsed by another light. The sun of righteousness 
has arisen with healing in his wings. And the day star brightens the heavens with all of his glory. And while the sun veils her face and the moon refuses to shine, the entire heavens and the whole earth are enveloped in a light coming from the Son of Man. I just tell you, no brighter light have you ever laid your eyes upon than the light that's going to come out of heaven on that day. Matthew 24, 27 says, For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth unto the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. As the appearance of the rainbow in the heavens, so is the brightness of the appearance of the glory of the Lord. Ezekiel 1, 28. His eyes are shining like flames of fire. The brilliance increases and the eyes of the world rivet upon this spectacle of glory. What a glorious sight it's going to be. He comes with the clouds. He is attended by the angels of glory. And he is surrounded by the saints of God. Let me say that one more time. He comes with the clouds. We just sang about that. He's coming on the clouds. He is attended by the angels of glory. And he is surrounded by the saints of God. That's us. The redeemed of the Lord. Enoch. The seventh from Adam prophesied in June 1, Jude 114. Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands. Let me just tell you something. You're not even going to have to get your hands dirty. You're going to be a part of the fight, but you ain't going to have to fight. And let me just tell you what's going to happen on that day. Now, you're not going to understand it on that day, so i got to tell you on this day so you'll understand it on that day. Because on that day, this mortal will have put on immortality. This corruptible will have put on incorruption. Or incorruptible shall put on... Corruption shall put on incorruptible. But here's what you need to understand about that day. Because we're with Him, and we're just going to watch Him smite the nations. We're going to watch Him clean everybody's clock. We're going to watch Him dust roll the enemy. We're not going to have to do anything. We're not even going to break a sweat. Because he's going to do it all. And in that one moment, in that one moment, this is what you need to realize about your life today. He does the same thing for us today. You don't have to fight the battle. David told us that all the way in the Old Testament when he told Goliath, the battle is not mine, but it is the Lord's. Stop trying to fight what you were never meant to fight. You may have to endure it, but you don't have to fight it. Because on that day, he's going to do the same thing for us then that he's doing for us today. He's going to fight the battle. You're not even going to break a sweat. And before you realize it, it's going to be done, it's going to be over with, and you're going to be, man, that was quick. Yeah, because he's God. I said, because he's God. And there's not any person, there's not any being, there's not anything that is more powerful than he is. Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. We're going to be there. What's the manner of his coming? The heavens are going to light up with the glory of the Lord. The Lord descending with bright clouds surrounded by angelic armies and accompanied by the saints of glory robed in dazzling garments. In this manner, Christ will descend to meet his enemy. And he will descend sitting upon a white horse, an emblem of his purity and his holiness. 
This will be a stark contrast to his first coming and life upon the earth. At his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, Christ rode a borrowed donkey. You remember that story? He will come the next time with majesty and glory, riding upon a white horse. He is coming to judge in righteousness and to make war in the earth. The Prince of Peace, the man who brought peace to a sin-sick world, will express his anger against the host of Satan. Men will realize the Lord is a God of battle. He is a God of justice. He is a holy man of war. That's why you want to meet him today. Because today he is a God of grace and a God of mercy. But the same God that is a God of grace and mercy today is also a God of justice. He is a God of battle. He is a God of war. You don't want to meet that God. Hello. You want to meet Him today while His Spirit still strives with man. You want to meet Him today while He is still drawing the lost to Him. You want to meet him today while grace and mercy is still being extended. You don't want to meet him when he's here to do battle. The good news is, salvation is still possible today. My Lord. But when he comes, he's coming as a God of battle, a God of justice, and a holy man of war. Psalms 24, verses 7 through 10. The writer said this, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, the King of glory, that He may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. He is a God who is mighty. In battle. Can I just take a moment and describe this king to you? You see, when he comes back on that day, instead of a crown of thorns upon his head, there will be many crowns of gold which signify his authority. He will come as a mighty conqueror, the king of kings and the lord of all lords. He will smite the nations with a sword that comes out of his mouth. Those who would not accept the sword of the spirit for the salvation of their souls will be smitten by the sword of his wrath. Isaiah 11.4 says this, But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, reprove with equity for the meek, of the earth, and he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 15, the Bible says this, And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that he with it he would smite the nations, and he would rule them with a rod of iron, and he treaded the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. He is a God of war, he is a God of battle. He comes with great armies of the saints in glory to rule the earth with a rod of iron. The people of the earth will wail because of Him. They realize that the crucified one, the Lord of glory, the one they rejected as the Messiah, has now come back to invoke justice. Here comes the great part of this story. is the defeat of the Antichrist. When the Antichrist sees the appearance of the Son of Man, 
he will make war against him. What an idiot. I just call it like I see it. What an idiot. Revelation 19, 19. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. Let me just pause right here and say this. I understand that because we live in the earth today, we are concerned about the things that are going on. Amen? We are concerned about the many things that we as the church feel like are being shoved down our throats. Is that fair to say? Matter of fact, some are very opinionated about it and don't mind sharing with you their thoughts. And I'm not saying that we should not take a stand I'm not trying to insinuate that at all. But what I am merely saying is this. When you see these things happening, be encouraged. Because your redemption draweth nigh. And understand this. Some things are going to happen to usher in the rapture, the tribulation, and the second coming. So while you may not like it, while you may not agree with it, while you may, you may just be sickened by it, be encouraged by it for a brighter day's coming. Just throw your head back and throw your hand up and look at heaven and say, thank God, Whew, I'm about to get the greatest bailout plan that's ever been known to man. I'm about to be bailed out of here. Hello, somebody. Because the greatest kidnapping to ever take place is about to happen. Because Jesus is coming back for his kids. And he's going to kidnap them. Hello, somebody. The Antichrist will have his day. Satan will rally the Antichrist together, the forces of the earth, against the host of heaven. The kings of the earth and all of their armies will make war against the king of kings and the lord of lords. Listen. The time has come that man must realize God rules in the kingdom of men. With one word from his lips, the king, the armies of heaven will obliterate the armies of this world. With one word. With one word. I mean, we're talking about a God who said, let there be light. Bam! There was light. He threw a bunch of stars up in the air and they stuck in the sky. They've never fallen. They're still there. But there's coming a day. What are you saying, preacher? I'm just trying to tell you how good God is, how big God is, how powerful God is. But yet the Antichrist is going to make war with him. The beast and the false prophet will be taken. They will be cast alive into the lake of fire. Dead bodies will be left for the birds and the fowl of the air to feast upon. Zechariah 14, 12. And this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord shall smite all of the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet. 
and their eyes shall consume away in their holes, and their tongues shall consume away in their mouth. Simultaneously, the angel from heaven will put Satan under arrest and cast him into the bottomless pit, wherewith he will be sentenced for a thousand years. Revelation 20, verses 1 through 3. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having a key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till a thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that he must be loose for a little season. You see, after Christ shall have conquered the Antichrist, and Satan has been bound. Those who are beheaded for the word of God during the tribulation period and for the testimony of Jesus Christ will be raised to life again. According to Revelation chapter 20 and verse 4. And I saw thrones and they that sat upon them. And judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God. And which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads and in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. This is the completion of the first resurrection. Revelation 20 and 5. I'm almost done. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. This is called the gleaning of the first resurrection. From this time onward, none of the followers of Jesus Christ are going to die. The only resurrection to follow will be the second resurrection or the resurrection of the unjust who will be brought before the great white throne judgment. I've got good news for you today. We're on the winning side of this battle. I said we are on the winning side of this battle. Let me, just, let me just flip over here. I want to read just a short passage of Scripture. Revelation 21. Beginning in verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth, first earth passed away. And there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be among them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death, and no longer be any mourning and crying or pain, for the first things have passed away. He who sits upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said, Right, for these words are faithful and true. Listen, I'm talking about a time and a place where there is no sickness. There is no death. There is no heartache. There is no more trials, no more tribulations. There's an old song in that red back hymnal we used to sing out of. It says, We'll soon be done with troubles and trials. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to a day when you can wake up and your back not hurt and your knee not crack and your ankle not pop. Hello, somebody. I'm looking forward to the day where there'll no longer be a phone call or a knock at the door with some tragic news. I'm looking forward to the day 
when all we are going to know is perfect peace. Perfect peace. Complete wholeness. A place where we will worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I can't stand here and tell you everything that's going to happen when the time comes and all of this is over with. But if my mind was to just begin to imagine some things, Brother Mike, I could see us just sitting at the throne crying, Holy, 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 my God, I feel Him. Holy, Holy, <laughs> Holy, 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 Holy. Holy, holy, as we bow in worship, can I just pause right here and tell you that if you could ever think in your mind today of the greatest, most spectacular, most magnificent worship experience you have ever engaged in in your life, in any kind of a personal setting or church setting, it won't even begin to compare to the worship that we engage in on that day. I'm just telling you, church, Jesus is coming back to rapture the dead in Christ, and He is coming back to call those who are alive and remain to heaven to be with Him. The tribulation is going to ensue. The three and a half year point, the Antichrist is going to break treaty and He is going to turn against the Jews. And at the end of that next three and a half year mark, Jesus is coming back riding on a white horse with the armies of heaven, the angelic host, and ten thousands of his saints, you and I. And he is going to open his mouth and utter one word, and it'll all be over. Just that quick, bam. I don't know what the word is going to be. I don't know what he's going to say, and it really doesn't matter at this moment. I plan to be there when he does it. But if you could just imagine in your mind the Antichrist, the beast, and Satan just wreaking havoc at the last three and a half year point of that great tribulation, and then all of a sudden, heaven just explodes with the brightest light that you've ever seen in your life. And here comes Jesus. Now listen, you just have to understand how my mind works. Let me just see if I can paint a picture for you. We sang a song this morning talking about, oh, hero of heaven. Right? 
We talked about him coming on a cloud. We talked about him being the lamb and the lion. Let me just see if I can paint you a picture. If you've ever watched a movie that involved some battles and some fighting and some armies pitted against one another, this is just even a terrible analogy or comparison compared to what's going to happen on that day. But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you don't even see it coming, the most climactic point of the movie, over some distant hill, you see dust starting to move up into the air. And you see this faint figure moving rapidly. And it's some muscular hero with long dark hair with 0% body fat. I'm just telling you why the movie's depicted. And he comes riding in from some distant hill on the fastest horse you've ever seen. And it's like when he gets there, he defeats 10,000 in that army what seems like a split second. Have you ever seen a movie like that? Does that describe any kind of a movie you ever, something similar to that? The reality of it is, when Jesus comes back, he's not just going to be some Hollywood hero. He's going to be the hero of heaven. And he's going to ride in, and he's going to open his mouth, and whatever word comes out. I just picture this in my mind. The armies of the earth at that moment, when he utters that word, they're just going to, poof. They're done. They're done. Just that quick. I don't know about you. I need to quit. I'm not going to have my earthly mind up there, so I probably won't do this. But thinking about it today, I'd want to just go, goody, 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 to the devil for all he's ever done to me. Hello, somebody. I'm just simply telling you today, Jesus is coming back to rapture the church. And when he comes back the second time, he's coming back. The battle of Armageddon is going to ensue. He's going to open his mouth and speak the word, and the armies of the earth are going to be obliterated. And we're going to be in that army. We're going to be a part of that. Stand with me all over this house. I've told you this over the last several weeks of preaching this.